The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise the Lord. So we've really been enjoying South Africa. We've just been traveling around. Beautiful land. Uh, saw the mountains and the vineyards and uh, just beautiful. We actually went on a safari. And the lions didn't attack me. That's good. And uh, before we really look at the beautiful land, we really was noticing the beautiful people. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. Amen. Speaking of beautiful, my wife, Joanne, will you please stand up? Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, some of you, I'm an absolute stranger to you, and when you meet a stranger, it can be awkward until you find something you have common. And so once you find something you have common, then it gets a little easier. So let's, I think we may have some things in common here. Let's find out. Do you love Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Do you love the Word of God? Yes. I do too. Do you like Andrew Womack Ministries? Yes. All right, we got that in common. And do you think your pastors are awesome? Yes. So do I. So do we. So I think we're going to get along well together. All right, so your pastor has been teaching on the secret sauce. And so you have one of the best teachers in the body of Christ right here. And so I can't add a whole lot, but I'm going to add a, little, a few spices to the secret sauce. Okay? All right, you ready for the word? Okay, it's come to this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God that's filled with revelation that we need. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to your children and they walk away hearing from you and only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, ready for the word? 1 Corinthians 13, look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, And now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I have a question for you. How many of you heard a lot of messages on faith? Important. Matter of fact, it's faith is so important to understand. So faith is huge in the Word of God. Raise your hand if you've heard a lot of messages on love. Love is huge. It's, it's, uh, it's the greatest of these. God is love. We need to have that. But in the same degree that you've heard messages on faith and you've heard messages on love, have you heard the same degree of messages on hope? Yeah. No. Well, I, I think we need to understand that hope is one of the big three. Hope is a lot bigger in your life than you'll ever realize. And so today we want to talk about hope and how to develop hope. And so look at Hebrews 11, look at verse 1. We use this verse to define faith, but I want you to look at this verse again. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look at the word hope. It's the Greek word elpis, E-L-P-I-S. It means confident expectation of future good. You know, God only has a future good for you, but what's your expectation? So many Christians have dread in their heart about something happening. No, God wants you to only live with a confident expectation of good. Tell someone something good is about to happen to you. 
Amen. Hope is really what you see with your heart. You see with your heart. And so you need to realize that you have four eyes. You have eyes in your head. You're looking at me now. This is the natural realm. But you, your, eyes has, has, your, your heart has eyes. So tell your neighbor your four eyes. Oh, that's bad memory. Oh, they called me that in school, four eyes. No, 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 you have, you have four eyes. You, you have eyes in your head, but you have eyes in your heart. Let me say this to you. If what you see in the natural is the same thing you see in your heart, your, your outward will never change. I don't care how much you pray for it, want it, beg for it, hope for it, wish for it to change. If what you see in your heart is exactly what you see with your natural eyes, things will remain the same. You need to see something different that God wants to show to you. So faith is really what brings what's in the spiritual to the natural because there's two realms we're dealing with. We're in the natural realm now. That's the place of facts. We don't deny facts. The facts are facts. But the spirit realm is the place of truth. Truth will never change. Facts can be changed. Let me say something. Facts will never change the truth, but the truth will change the facts. Tell someone your facts are about to change. And so what we have been provided in Christ, our inheritance, is in the spirit. It's in the spirit realm. It has actual existence, but you have to see it first. And faith can lay hold of what it sees. But I want you to see something. Faith is like a combine, a harvesting tractor. And so, so there's already been a harvest. It's come up. And then you have a combine that comes over it and harvests what has been planted. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is a combine that, that harvests the unseen realms of faith, of, of hope, the fields of hope. And a lot of times we're not seeing manifestation of what we want. And we think it's the problem with the combine. But the problem usually in a Christian life is not a faith problem. You've received faith when you've accepted Jesus. You have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell someone your faith is fine. Usually what the problem is, is in the realm of hope. Because faith makes substance to things that are hoped for. And if you have no vision, you don't see it on the inside, then faith can't lay hold of it. Your combine's going over empty ground out there, and then you pull your combine in and take it apart. What's wrong with the tractor? No, it's in the realm of hope. So if we don't have any hope, faith can't lay hold of it into the natural realm. And so hope deals again with what you see in your heart. I want to talk about the law of the heart this morning, the law of the heart. Proverbs 4, look at verse 23. We see the law of the heart here. Proverbs 4, look at verse 23. It says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Tell someone you have issues. <laughs> and your issues have come out of your heart. And we're looking to our environment. We're looking for the government. We're looking for this. And no, no. Look at the word issues. It's the Hebrew word boundaries. For out of the heart flows the boundaries of your life. Boundaries in your finances, boundaries in your health, boundaries in your marriage, boundaries in your relationships, boundaries at work, boundaries in promotion. 
It's the boundaries have come out of your heart. What's the law of the heart? Law of heart is that your outward life cannot for any length of time go above or beneath the beliefs that you have in your heart. You may go up a little bit, but it may go dip down a little bit, but over time it comes back to the equilibrium of what you believe about, your, about God and about yourself. It's called the law of the heart. When we talk about the lottery, we have a lottery in the U.S., and I hear you have a lottery here. Now, before you start hiding your lottery ticket, I'm not, I'm not preaching against the lottery. I want to talk about research about lottery winners. 95% of lottery winners within two to three years lose it all. Why? Law of the heart. Most people playing the lottery have a poverty mindset. Why are they playing the lottery? The only way that I'm going to make it is I'm going to have to strike it big. And so I'm going to pay money. It's some wild long shot to be able to make some money. And so they have a poverty mindset. And so within two to three years, their subconscious actually makes decisions that bring you down to what you believe about you. Low-income housing. You have graffiti all over the walls. You have trash everywhere. And then the government comes in. The, the scariest thing you'll ever hear is, I'm the government, I'm here to help. <laughs> government says it's the environment. And so they create brand new living conditions and apartment complex. And so they move the people over there, over here, and within six months, what does it look like? Graffiti everywhere, trash everywhere, law of the heart. You have an 18-year-old uh, girl Grew up in an abusive home. The father abused her physically, abused her mentally and emotionally, and never loved her, never shared that love with her. And she said, at 18, I'm out of here. And she, she runs as fast as she can, and she runs into the arms of her father with a different name that abuses her and her friends talking to her at the coffee shop. Why are you with him? I don't know. I don't know. But then she gets free from him and runs into the arms of man number two that's a father with a different name. But eventually she meets Joe, the good guy, that loves her and is kind to her, treats her with value and loves her like she should be loved. And she's seen him for about two weeks. And then she meets with her girlfriend at coffee and says, how's Joe? Well, we're not together. What did Joe do to you? Joe didn't do anything to me. Well, what happened? I don't know law of the heart. So either she's saying in her heart that if he finds out who I really am, he'll reject me, so I'll do it first. Or I'm going to ruin Joe's life because the law of heart says your outward life must come in line with what you believe. Taking this more personal, I'm going to tell a personal story on myself. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to close it because I don't know all you guys. <laughs> I started out in the phone center with Andrew Womack Ministries. And so we just would take calls and listen to their situation and find a scripture uh, to, to pray and then release our faith and, and minister the word of God over them. Well, one day I did that with this guy and, and at the end of it, he said, can I pray for you? <laughs> can we do that? Okay. So he started praying and then he started prophesying over me. Now, I don't remember everything he said, but he did say this. He says, you shall walk with giants. First thing 
Once I hung up that phone, I laughed and I said, I hope I don't get stepped on. <laughs> and the Lord spoke instantly and says, you need to change how you see yourself. And I cannot work in your life and bring you to your destiny with the vision you have of yourself. Then one day, I was a, as a, one of the uh, teachers, I was walking down the hall with Barry Bennett. Barry Bennett's six foot five. It's happened. I'm going to look at Abraham this morning. Abraham's called the father of our faith. The father means a prototype. He's the, he's the original. He's how, how God worked with him to bring a promise in his life is the exact same way he deals with us. He's the prototype. So let's look at Abraham. Look at Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Look at the next verse. Verse 18. And who contrary to hope. That means contrary to any natural hope. That he was 100. She was 90. She was barren to start with, and then she went through menopause. Why don't they call it womanopause? <laughs> anyway, she went through menopause, and according to the natural, there's no hope. But notice here, contrary to hope, in hope believed. In hope believed. God had to get Abram into a place where he saw his vision, saw what God had for him, for faith to lay hold of it. And so he had to start working with him on this vision, and he did it for 25 years, building a vision on the inside of Abraham before he could bring Isaac into manifestation. Look at Genesis 13. God's going to start working with this name, Abram, and, he, he, and he's going to have to change what he sees on the inside to get something on the outside. Look at Genesis 13, look at verse 14. Genesis 13, 14 says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. Lift your eyes now. God's saying that to some in this room. You need to lift up your eyes now. Because you have your eyes on your present circumstances, what you're experiencing, what you don't have, and your focus is co completely in, uh, uh, swallowed up with what you're seeing right now. Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are right now. Because God's future for you is far greater than what you can see. Lift up your eyes right now from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see. Say see. See. For all the land which you see, I'll give it to you and your descendants forever. If you can see it, you can have it. Verse 16. And I'll make your descendants. Well, my lightning fast mind understand to have a descendants. You need a descendant. <coughs> so I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also can be numbered. Arise and walk. Tell someone, arise and walk. Arise and walk. Arise and walk. Arise and walk. 
Arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to give it to you. No, he says, get up, and I want you to go. I want you to walk through all this land. I want to see every mountain, every valley, every stream, everything that is in this land, because if you could see it, you can have it. Look at Genesis 15. He's continuing building hope in Abram. Genesis 15, look at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and exceedingly great reward. So God just basically tells him something that, that is there for him. I'm your exceedingly great reward, but Abram's focusing, he became a navel gazer. <laughs> focusing on everything he does not have. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing? Seeing... I go childless, and the heir of my house is Lazy Azar, I mean Eleazar of Damascus. Look at verse 3. And when you read something, you almost have to put yourself into the story, and you actually have to tell, you can tell the way they said it. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, and Abraham said, look, God, you've given me no offspring. Have you ever done that? God, do you see what's going on down here? Do you see my wallet? Do you see what's going on in my health? Do you see that kid over there? Do you see that spouse you gave me? Okay, now don't look. Don't, 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 don't. I'm help. Don't look right now. Don't look. God, look at what I don't have. Look at the problems. Look, look. Do you not know what's going on? But God always has a reply. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside, and he said, Now you look. Now you look. You wanted me to look at what you're looking at? I want you to see what I'm looking at. I see your future. Tell someone, exchange looks. He started Abraham walking the land to get a greater vision. He wants to look up and look at the stars to see his future. But then finally, before this miracle child could come, he had to change what he was saying. God had to change what Abraham was saying. He created the vision, but the vision's not spoken. Nothing will come forth. So he had to start getting Abraham to change what he was saying. So, so God's trying to get you to start set, stop, stop uh, saying what you've been saying and start speaking what he's saying. Look at Genesis 17, 1. He's still preparing Abram for this promise. Genesis 17, look at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old. Now, Isaac's born when he's 100. So I was, I'm not a math major, but 100 minus 99, I think it's 1. 
So in a solid year before this miracle takes place, he changes his name. Genesis 17 one says, And Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. See, there's not a problem on God's side to be able to bring about what you need and what he has for you. He's Almighty God. Tell someone next to you, you may be the problem. Now, now tell the other person, you are the problem. Okay, hold on. I, I, came, this, I came here for this American to insult me in church. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. Me and you like this. All right. He said, now you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. You're a father of a multitude. And every time Abraham introduces himself, hi, I'm Abraham, I'm a father of a multitude. Hi, I'm a father of a multitude. Father of a multitude here. Father of a multitude. Father of a multitude. I'm a father of a multitude. Father of a multitude. Thank you. Father of a multitude. God had to get him to start changing what he was saying. And he's going to have to do that with you. So, Pastor, I'm convinced. Hope's a bigger thing than I thought. Well, how can I develop that inner vision greater than what my natural eyes can see? I'm glad you asked. You need to have an encounter with the God of hope. Look in Romans 15, 13. Have you had an encounter with the God of hope? Romans 15, 13 says, And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, faith and believing is connected to hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't have the hope, faith can't lay hold of it. And so the God of hope. See, you can't get around God to, and spend time with him when he starts expanding your vision. He starts, starts showing you greater than what you have and where you are right now. And then you need to pray to this God of hope. Has it come to that prayer? <laughs> Ephesians 1, look at verse 16. Ephesians 1, 16 says, I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding. Uh, the, the earliest, most reliable manuscripts has the word cardia, where we get cardiac. It means the eyes of your heart. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, flooded with light, so, you, so, so that you may know. Look at the word know. It's the word edo. Edo translated far more many times as see. That you may see what is the hope, the vision of his calling. And the riches of the glory of his inheritance to fulfill the vision. And the exceeding greatness of his power towards you to empower you in that. See, guys, you don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem. Let me say it over here. You don't have a money problem. You have a revelation problem. You don't know who your daddy is. Your daddy. You're born again. Your daddy. Your daddy uses gold as concrete. 
your older brother, he's a Jew. And he's the king of the Jews. You need to start seeing yourself being what God says you are. Doing what he says you can do. Look in, look in Genesis eleven six 6 in the King James, please. Genesis 11, look at verse 6. And the Lord God said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. Now nothing. nothing. Say nothing. nothing. I did a deep word study on the word nothing in Greek and Hebrew. And it means nothing. You're welcome. <laughs> I did it. I'm for the people. I'm... And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. What do you see? How do I develop hope? The Spirit of God wants to impart that vision through prayer, but He uses the Word. He uses the word. The word shows you who he made you to be, what you have, and what you can do because you're in Christ. And so the spirit and the word, you can't divide them. They're together. How do we know that? John 16, look at verse 13. John 16, 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth. Question, what's truth? Well, Jesus defined it. Thy word is truth. He's the spirit of the word. And what is his job? What is he doing? What does he want to do in your life? How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, all of the word, and he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and shall show it to you. In the King James. Can you pop? Yep, the King James. He will show it to you. One time I asked, Lord, I, that's translated wrong. It should say, he shall receive of mine and give it to you. No, no, no. No, no he says, I'll show it to you. Why? Because you already have it. You've already been given. It's in your inheritance. You just got to see it. He'll show it to you. So he's going to show you in the word who you are, what you have and what you can do. But, but the last thing, the last thing he got to have you get Abraham and to operate in this hope so that faith could lay hold of it is he, is, is God started prophesying the future to Abraham, so shall your descendants be. And he changed his name because not only did, is it good enough that God prophesies, but he needed Abraham to prophesy his future. And we're going to find out why it's so important that you must prophesy your future. Jesus was prophesied for 4,000 years before he came. Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home. And then, they saw, then, they, then things got complicated and they sewed fig leaves together. They put salad dressing on. And when you get in religion, things get very complicated. That pile of fig leaves, is that dirty laundry or is that dinner? But Jesus didn't immediately show up and manifest. For 4,000 years, he was being prophesied. 
prophet after prophet, this angle, that aspect, that aspect. He had to be prophesied first before he was manifested. Luke 4, he stood up and he read in Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord's upon me because he's anointed me to preach. That's Luke 4, 18. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. But 4,000 years of prophecy. Matthew 9, the woman with the issue of blood, had to prophesy her future before her faith laid hold of it. Matthew 9.20, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment. But there's been something happening before she ever got there. Look at verse 21. For she said to herself, actually the Greeks, present tense, she kept saying, 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 saying. If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. She was prophesying her future. Getting a vision of her being healed. And then when she saw that, she laid hold in her face as I have it. See, faith's important. If you just have a vision, faith has to say, I got it now. But if you have nothing for faith to lay hold of, you're not going to receive. I want you to see something so, so, so important. I want you to look in Ezekiel 37. My friend Zeke. (laughs) Ezekiel 37, look at verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. Say all around. He picked them up and put them on a 360 degree tour, a panorama Full 360 reviews so he could see every angle. He could see them in every aspect. 360 degrees. All around. And behold, there were very many in an open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. Say very dry. Very dry. Verse 3. And the Lord said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And that's the question the Lord wants to ask you today. Because you're staring in your lives, sometimes, some, sometimes in our lives, and some in here, you've been staring at dry bones in your life. A marriage that has not changed. A health situation that has not changed. A debt situation that will not go away. And you've been around it, and around it, and around it. You've seen every angle of it. Can these bones live? Can that marriage live? Can your financial situation be resurrected? Can they live? Well, that's the question he asked Ezekiel. And it's interesting, he asked it after he spent taking him on a a view, 360 degree view of it, so he could see every angle of it. And so he says, can these bones live, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel wanted to say this. (laughs) There's not a chance! But he was smarter than that. And so he said, Lord, you know. (laughs) 
Ezekiel 37, look at verse 4. And again, he said to me, prophesy. Prophesy. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live, prophesying its future. I will put sinews on you and bring you flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Interesting. God prophesied to Ezekiel and then had Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. I have a question for you. Why did not God directly prophesy to the bones? He couldn't. He couldn't. No, Pat, I misheard you. You said he wouldn't. No, I said he couldn't. Why? Because he gave man authority on earth. And you're wondering why God's not changing my situation. He's not changing my finances. He's not changing my marriage. He's not changing the situations. Why isn't God changing this? He can't. But he will prophesy to you the words that you're to speak. He, command, he prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied as I was commanded. The word of the Lord. Not what you want. The word of the Lord. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, and there was no breath in them. Partial manifestation. But verse 9 says, And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Keep prophesying. Keep prophesying. Keep prophesying. Until there's a full manifestation. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. That's what he's saying to you. Prophesy, son of man. Daughter of God. Prophesy to your future. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet and was an exceedingly great army. And there's Christians standing in the valley of dry bones in their life. Wanting God to change the things. But he's waiting for you to prophesy. You need to prophesy your future to your dry bones. Body, you will flourish in health. Finances, you will be overflowing. Marriage, you will be fruitful and satisfying. Well, pastor, don't, that's not faith statements. Faith statements says I am. But guys, if you haven't got the vision for it, if you don't see it available to you, faith can't lay hold of it. Yeah. Prophesy. Andrew tells a story where God spoke to him in the middle of the night and said, Andrew, you're limiting me. I've called you to one of the largest ministries in this earth. And your small thinking, the way you see yourself, you talk about yourself, you make small decisions, you're limiting me. 
And so Andrew got a vision and he repented. And he called his staff. He had 25 staff members at the time. And he said, today, I'm telling you, I will have one of the largest ministries on the planet. The next day, explosion. Finances exploded. The ministries exploded and it's still exploding from that very day. When he changed what he saw on the inside and started prophesying his future. Many are just reporting on their past and reporting on their circumstances right now. But God's called you to prophesy your future. Tell someone you're not called to be a reporter. <laughs> reporting the facts. He's called you to be a prophet. Now, I'm not saying everybody's called to the office of a prophet to minister prophetically to other people, but everybody in this room is called to be the prophet over your own life. Amen. Prophesy. You need to start prophesying your prophecies. Lord speaks to you something out of the word and you're like, oh, good. Well, wait, we'll see if that happens. You have someone get up and they, they come and they, they, someone from the Lord, I have a word from the Lord and they speak to you and it hits you, just pierces, oh, it's straight from the Lord. And then most Christians say, well, we'll just see what happens. No, 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 no. You're missing it. Prophecies to you were given to be prophecies from you. Because he needs you to speak in the area of your authority. 1 Timothy 1.18. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, them prophecies, you may wage a good warfare. The good warfare is the fight of faith. So you have enemies to your destiny. Enemies that are trying to convince you that you're something other than you are. And your future is something other than what God says it is. And will try to block it. But you're to use the prophecies. Well, God just spoke it. It'll just happen. No, 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 no. They've been given to you to be prophecies from you. And you're a soldier and you have armor and there's one offensive weapon called the sword of the spirit. The word of God. The word word there for word is not logos, the entirety of the word of God. It's the rhema, it's the spoken word. Is a weapon against the enemy. You need to start speaking God's prophetic word over your future. This works in the negative. It's a law. There was a very famous NBA basketball player who died in a horrific accident. And if I mention his name, you would all know him. And they were interviewing a teammate that knew him about a decade earlier, played with him. And he, and he said this about this player, that he would always say that I'm going to win multiple championships, multiple MVPs, and then I will die an early death and be an icon. 
He would say it and say it and say it. And they said, he said, you're crazy, dude. He said, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win multiple championships, multiple MVPs. I will die an early death and be an icon like Elvis. It happened. But he didn't count on the fact that his daughter was with him. And she died. It's important what you're prophesying. It's important what you're speaking over your future. Amen. Prophesy. Let's stand to our feet and let's do it. Let's start prophesying our future. We got to start. We got to start speaking. Lord, I thank you, Lord. My health will flourish. I will always have all that I need for everything you've ever called me to do. I'm going to live a long life. I mean, you, know, you need to start speaking over. You start speaking your future. I'm going to be fruitful all the days of my life. All the days of my life. I'm going to fulfill the call of God. The gifts of God are effective and powerful and they flow and they work. And doors are opening for the kingdom of God and the word of God through my ministry. Hallelujah. I will walk with giants. You speak it. Speak it. Prophesy, son of man. Prophesy your future. Hallelujah. You keep doing it and doing it. All of a sudden you'll see yourself. I am that. You say, I, I have it. That's who I am. I receive it. I got it. Manifestation. Manifestation. But keep prophesying. Well, I've only seen a partial man. Keep prophesying. I've only seen a part of it. Keep prophesying. Hallelujah. 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 And it's all to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor? Praise God. Praise the Lord. One, two. One, two. One, two. Praise God. Wasn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, before we go, if you are here and you have not uh, made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, we want to give you this uh, great opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Uh, don't wait for next week. Do it today. Amen. So while every eye is closed, every head bowed, if that's you, we want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to uh, raise your hand uh, and we will lead you in a prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father to come back again in glory. If, the, if you believe that and you confess with your mouth, uh, uh, you shall be saved. And if that's you, we want to we wanna pray with you right now. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you may be. Thank you, Jesus. Going once, going twice. Oh, I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to pray with my sister here, church. You can join in in this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, today I come to you, for you are the only true source of salvation. I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the third day he was raised from the dead to come again in glory Jesus Christ you are now the Lord of my life from today onwards I will serve you and you only I am born again today in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so uh, I'm going to ask, uh, there are ushers that are going to direct you, my sister, uh, to your left. And they're going to talk to you more about what that means to be born again. And we have a, a package, a little booklet that, uh, that's going to get you started on this journey. Amen. And also, Pastor Rick was preaching about hope. And uh, we want to pray for uh, you if you have pain and or sickness in your body. You may have carried this for a long time and you were starting to become hopeless. Man, see yourself healed. And we want to join our faith with yours and just, you know, pray together. Amen. And so if that's you, this is a pain-free zone. If that's you, we want to pray with you. If you have pain and or sickness in your body, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. I see those hands popping up everywhere. Come on, raise them up real high. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to ask the believers, turn around. If you see someone next to you with, a, with their hand up, just go and lay hands on them. The Bible says believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And we're going to uh, pray a corporate prayer. We also want to pray for you. If you are here and you've been living a life of stress, worry, uh, or anxiety, we want to pray for you. That's not of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. And so stress is not of God. And I know there are a few here. Uh, some of you, you, you last enjoyed a good night's sleep a long time. That's not uh, uh, God's portion for you. God's portion for you is, is given to his beloved sweet, sweet sleep. Amen. And so we want to pray for you. We want to pray the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding. There is a peace that can go beyond what you are trying to figure out. Amen. And so that second group, if that's you, also raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Turn around. If you see a hand raised, just go lay hands on them. We're going to pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Father, we pray for these bodies that are here, that have not uh, been functioning in divine health. We release the life of God right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, we speak healing from right from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. The very life, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is doing a work in these bodies right now. It's quickening every mortal body, quickening their cells, their tissues, their organs. Lord, we release life right now by the authority that you have given us as believers. We also pray uh, 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 for those who have been struggling with fear, worry, stress, and anxiety. We release the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We take authority over their souls. Uh, their minds, their wills and emotions. And we say, be still right now in Jesus' name. We release a supernatural peace that only Jesus can give the way he gives it. He said his peace is not of this world. Amen. And so we release that peace right now in the name of Jesus. And someone said, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, see yourself healed. If you couldn't pick up stuff because of lower back pain, start to see yourself picking up dumbbells at the gym, right? Picking up uh, dead. I saw a t-shirt. I thought it was cool. 
He says, Jesus is the original deadlifter. I thought that was really cool. There's an exercise in the gym for the rest of the church that don't know called the deadlift. You know, when you pick up the bar and it says Jesus was the original deadlift. I thought it was cool. I thought it was awesome. He raised the dead. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.